Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 42 of Confessions of a Market Maker. My co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Vinny Testaverde. And I'm joined here by my... Oh, I think it was way back. <laughs> I'm joined here by my adept co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader, a man who used to create price action kinkier than a Swiss banker, a man with an affinity for coquettish women, but he is not a player. He just crushes a lot. I'm talking about the East Indian Tom Selleck, JJ. How's it going today? I, 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 um, you know, once I seen Canal's <laughs> video, I should have saved the the Tom Selleck reference for him with the. With yeah, the no kidding, eh? <laughs> but uh, our guest today started his trading career during the late '90s dot com boom, turning five thousand dollars into two hundred k in two months. He was on his way to becoming a millionaire at twenty three years old, but lost it all. Didn't happen. In the years that followed, he slowly built up a small account swing trading part-time while working full-time job in the legal profession in only five short years. He was able to quit his job to trade full-time. Former mentor to the lively Kunal Desai, the founder of Bulls on Wall Street, where our guest runs a swing trading service. I am talking about poker enthusiast Paul Singh. Paul, how's it going, man? There we go. That pretty much wraps up my life right there. Yeah. Awesome. And, awesome. And podcast? Uh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> My man, Paul. Now, Paul, really appreciate you joining us. I, you know, I was, I was real happy to hear uh, how you found the podcast. Uh, someone was listening to it at a poker game that, you know, it's real neat thing. It was a Bill Perkins podcast. That's right. There we go. A year later, I'm on it. Yeah, yeah. a year later, I'm on it. No, it's, awesome. Awesome. Uh, it's a funny coincidence. You know, we've been trying to get Bill back on the podcast. I don't know if you've seen, he's been uh, he just released a book, Die With Zero. He's going on his little media tour from his yacht. Uh, you know, but we, <laughs> we, we can't get a hold of him. He's on CNBC, Gary V. you know, is out of our pay grade. But, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, what, Paul, what did you get into first, poker or trading? Uh, trading. Yeah, yeah definitely trading. trading. Yeah, yeah. Poker's actually been really recent. I missed the whole boom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know how good the games were way back when. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're tougher now. But I got into poker, uh, I would say – probably around 2017 or so. Okay, wow. okay. yeah, and, recently. Mm-hmm. And, and the funny thing is, um, you know, there's always, usually when you get into something, you do good or there's sort of like a lucky run up, almost the same way, almost the same thing that happened to me with trading. Yeah. Because uh, I, I feel like I was one of the original Robin Hood traders back in the late 90s. I was, what, what these guys are going through now, I was that guy. In really? The, okay. Uh, except for, I think they're, they have a little bit of a, advantage now uh, because there's a lot of information out there and what to do back then there wasn't the kind of information now Uh, but anyway back to poker I was at the Bellagio and someone was knew I traded and were like hey you might like poker Uh, I played a little bit in home games but I I couldn't even remember what beats what you know I I didn't know is it does a flush beat a straight how does that work you know so I I was in the Bellagio and I had a little cheat sheet next to me <laughs> and I sit in a 5-10 game where the good players are playing. You know, I should have, okay. you know, down at, at the 1-2 or something. So I right. sit in the 5-10 game and by luck, I, you know, I just ran it up. Uh, and then I was, I was hooked. Yeah. Um, which, which is kind of like how my, my trading career, it's exactly how my trading career started. Right. Um, so, so, you know, it's kind of neat how that, how that kind of paralleled. Uh, but yeah, 
pretty recent. Not, not, I've been playing maybe three years, three, yeah. three or four years. You know, you know, Paul, I think that's probably the worst thing for a lot of people is, is running it up early, right? Whether in trading or poker. That early success. It, right. and, and a lot of people are not like yourself able to bounce back from that. Uh, you know, you, you lost $200,000. I mean, that's, that's like a, I mean, that's going to be tough for anybody. How, how did you bounce that, back? Like, that, that was rough. And yeah. Uh, it, I, I remember that that week was so tough for me. I was just, you know, I, I, I was in I was in law school at the time, uh, you know, having time through classes, you know, just knowing I lost. It was actually a little more than two hundred thousand. And back then, this is the late nineties when two hundred thousand it's still a lot. Exactly. But back then, it was uh, like a million dollars, you know. Um, but my wife put it into perspective. She's, you know, you didn't lose two hundred thousand. You lost five thousand. And that kind of put it in perspective. And, you know, I think that attitude was that really helped me. Uh, I started trading again. You know, I took a break, uh, really focused on school. Uh, but then I got back into it. I blew up another account. But it was different because I actually went in and started trying to learn. And that time, one, the, the 5,000 lasted longer. <laughs> it wasn't just a, a boom and bust and I was done. Uh, but it, it lasted longer and I felt like I was getting it. And so it's interesting, you know, maybe I didn't have the same success as I did before, uh, but I really felt like, oh, I can do this. There, there's some things I'm missing, uh, but, but I'm getting it now. And I blew another account. And then around it is you have to be in the right market too. So, you know, got through, you know, the bust of the internet boom. And then in a few years, the commodities and real estate boom hit. And I hit the commodity stocks really hard. And understanding now that, okay, you follow these trends and, you know, these are the things you have to do, uh, you know, to be successful. And that's where I really started running it and grinding. And I got out of that mode of that lottery mode that I was in during the internet boom, yeah. uh, where, you know, I didn't have in mind that I'm going to place this trade in two months. It's going to turn into, you know, 200, $300,000. I got in that kind of grinding mode where it's just, you know, trade after trade after trade. And it took time, you know, to uh, actually said five years. I, it was probably a little longer than that. Uh, 2012 when I really brand is he still there? Oh, he froze. Sound like we have a little uh, delay. Uh, froze. Here. Um, pause. I'm Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. All right. Apologize to the listeners. We had a little tef- technical difficulties. We're back. All right, Paul. We were talking about how you lost 200,000. Left off somewhere with your wife, I believe. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't remember where we froze off, but um, she had talked me down, basically put in perspective that, hey, it wasn't 200,000 you lost, it was 5,000 you lost. That's what you put in. And, and that really helped me, uh, you know, because I was thinking, you know, you're always looking, because at the time I was like, oh, I've got 200,000 now, I'll get 250, then I'll get 300, then I'll get 400, then I can quit law school, you know, whatever. So um, <laughs> that helped put things in perspective. Uh, the second time around, uh, I waited a little bit, uh, you know, got through law school and started trading again. This time I, I actually went into it trying to learn. And that's what I would recommend to a lot of the Robin Hood traders now because uh, I was basically going through what they're going through now. Uh, the big run up, eventually they might lose it because they really don't know what they're doing. Um, but learn as much as you can. That second time, uh, I still wasn't successful. I did lose the 5,000. Uh, but I learned a lot along the way. Um, and then the third is when it all kind of clicked. One, there was a market for, you know, we were coming out of the, you know, the internet bubble and a new kind of nice trend run coming in. 
uh, helps to be in something like that. Uh, for me, it was the, I think most people, a lot of people think of it as like the real estate boom. For me, it was a commodity boom because commodities will fire from, you know, 2004 to 2007 or eight. Um, so that's when I really started to get it, understand, stood trends and, you know, pick, started to pick things up. Um, and also understand that, you know, I'm not trying to hit the lottery like I was back in, in, uh, uh, you know, the late nineties. And I think this would also be a good lesson for the Robinhood traders that, you know, what you're experiencing now, it's probably not going to be like this a year from now. So, uh, don't try to recreate what you're going through. And I figured that and realized it out. And it took time, you know, five and six years uh, before, like, you know, 2006, 2007 to when I went full time in, in 2012. Right. So that's kind of the short version of the journey. Of course, there are a lot of steps along the way, but um, that was kind of the process, thought process through that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like when you switch your mentality from maybe like home run hitting to singles, that was the, the shift in your, your trading journey? That was the shift, Understand, understanding risk, like mm -hmm. figuring out, you know, risk, not only like risk for your trades, but account risk, you know, understanding to, you know, you don't want your, your account correlated in one area, non-correlated with, with the types of stocks you're trading, the type of setups you're trading, uh, you know, the areas in the market you want to be in, you know, all this kind of putting all this stuff together and, and necessarily focusing on, on stock picking, either. you know, not, uh, you know, thinking, you know, okay, there's a setup, there's a stock I'm going to trade because on any given day, uh, you could find 50, you know, setups or things you're trading. You could find 50 or 60 different, uh, you know, setups that are that are clicking for you. Are you really going to trade those? No. And you have to kind of understand where to go, where the money's flowing, all that kind of stuff. So putting all of these things together uh, was kind of the light bulb. Understanding risk and then putting all of these things together, understanding the market's this big kind of holistic thing that you got to understand. Um, so as I developed those skills, um, that's when, you know, the account really started growing. Yeah. You know, I'm interested uh, during, the, you know, that era, the late 90s, early 2000s, mm -hmm. obviously the retail trading landscape was way different than it is now. I imagine not as many resources. H how did you go about learning? I mean, it sounds like a little oh bit gosh. trial and error. It, it was a lot of trial and error. Yeah. I mean, I remember hanging out at Barnes and Nobles. That was, <laughs> I would hang out in the, to meet people. I would hang out in the finance section because if I talked to anyone, <laughs> buy and hold, and you know, I'd figured out pretty early on that um, you know, there are other ways to do it than just buy and hold. Uh, so I would hang out at Barnes and Noble. It sounds crazy, but just hanging out at Barnes and Noble, literally trying to talk to anyone who came by, uh, you know, going to back then, uh, internet trading was pretty new. And you, know, you had to, for me, uh, I think around 97, 98, I would actually go to like Charles Schwab or Scott, Scott trade and see who was hanging out there and placing trades from the terminals yeah. and pick their brains. Uh, and a lot of it was bad information too, by yeah. the way. So, yeah, exactly. uh, and, then just, and then just figuring out what worked, you know, and slowly again, trial and error. And, and, and that's basically been the process for me is, you know, I've had a few people help me, uh, but, but a lot of it has just been, been learning on my own. And I actually do this to this day. I do this every year where at the start of the year, um, I kind of took the Michael Jordan approach where every year between seasons, he would pick a new thing. Uh, you know, one year he was going to work on, you can see it in his stats. Like there was a year where all of a sudden his assists went way up because mm -hmm. that summer he had really worked on, on his passing skills. Uh, his three pointer went, three pointers went up uh, one year, that turnaround jumper that he's famous for, he worked on one summer. So I've kind of taken that approach in the sense that one year I'll work on something that I'm not good at or I'm not experienced in. 
Mm. Uh, so a couple of years, you know, for all these years I've been trading, I never traded pre-market. Um, and three, four years ago, I started working on that. Uh, and I don't like to do anything until I really understand it and master it. Mm -hmm. So I spent a good six to eight months, you know, just trying to figure out pre-market. And most of the month, I, most of the time, I really found out what didn't work and, you know, what the mistakes I was making. And I found a few things that I can do here and there uh, that now work pre-market. So, you know, if I get up here on the, on the West Coast, coast, which is terrible, you have to get up at like 4.30, 5 o'clock, and I'm a night owl. Did it's it for tough, 25 years. Yeah. 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 It's, it's rough, man. It's rough. Um, in the but, morning. Um, yeah. So I, I get up at 4.30 just about every day. Um, and, uh, so doing some of that, um, this year's, it's been, this year it's been options. I've done very little options trading. So I've been like immersing myself, uh, in, in options trading. So building up my skills, um, I don't remember what the question was, but, um, yeah, every year I'm picking something new to really develop it on. Nice. And, and a lot of it, oh yeah, a lot of it is trial and error. Um, right. I, I don't tend to, um, you know, I don't read books. Uh, too much or you know a lot of that I feel like a lot of that stuff is misinformation um, so it, it's packaged uh, and you start doing it you realize uh, you know you take 50 or 60 trades and this thing's not working so for me it's a lot of just figuring out things on my own or taking that kernel of, of something and then develop trying to develop it right right absolutely you know the, the to the point you were just speaking about adding you know the Michael Jordan approach working on something that you're not good on every year this is something I've, I've thought about too on I guess just the pace to implement things, right? Paul's like, okay, like we want to focus on getting good at one thing first, then add to the, uh, you know, the repertoire. How do you, how's your approach to that as far as like to make sure you don't get too overwhelmed? You're not looking at too many things. Um, right, right. I mean, you can't, um, you can't like, say you want to, say you want to start trading. You can't learn everything at once. So you really have to focus on one thing and, and just try to get really good at that one thing. It could be something as simple as if you want to be a swimmer, um, you know, there's so much to understand in terms of like, for me, you know, I use a top-down approach. You got to figure out what's going on in the market and what are the sectors doing? Where's the money flowing? You know, look at all your market breadth indicators. What's really going on underneath the hood? Uh, what's some of you guys, the institutional guys trying to figure out what you guys are doing? Um, there's so much to learn in that. And, and you can't just say, take a month and, and figure all that stuff out. Uh, not only that, you have to experience many different markets too uh, when you're learning this stuff. So you can't just look at it in this market. You have to go back in different markets. So it's a real big learning curve. But what you can do is say, you know what, I'm going to slowly learn this stuff. But in the meantime, there's a few things I can do. I can maybe uh, focus on earnings and, and just really focus on a few earnings setups, work on those, uh, really master that one thing, you know, trading around earnings. Um, and, and then slowly build. And build and you know maybe in a year then you've got this uh repertoire of things you can do and and for me i'm still doing that like i hadn't traded options you know hardly ever and now i'm, I'm trying to build that and, and work on that yeah yeah i, I yeah i really like that that approach and uh the, the michael yeah michael jordan approach paul before uh you're trading full-time you were a lawyer yes yeah um you know so prior to me you know playing poker i was working um, you know, I was doing a sales job and I was really, my real pursuit was I wanted to, you know, play poker full time and do it. And I, you know, I'd be at work, I'd be trying, you know, selling, but I'm thinking about poker. I kind of wait to get home, you know what right, I mean? Grind at night, right. load up some tables. Uh, right. and it was a tough thing at times to balance, I guess, uh, to just speak to your experience and how it was transitioning and why would you want to even transition? Right. Um, you know, maybe I, I, 
doing it the way I was doing. Because basically, you got to work hard. And, and for me, for two years straight, I probably averaged three hours of sleep a night uh, to the point where I had heart problems. I had arrhythmia, I had a rapid heartbeat. My doctor said, basically, you got to give something up and, and slow down a little. So um, you do have to balance that. For me, it was basically, you know, work. Um, you know, and I'd usually get off somewhere between five or six. Um, I had young kids, so I've just put in the family time. And basically, all the study I did, all the learning I did uh, was from about eight or nine at night until one or two in the morning. Then I'd get up at five, get ready to go for work. And that went on. Um, so it was a, a, a tough process for me. Um, I think nowadays it's a little simpler with the tools you have. And, you know, the learning curve, I think, is a little easier now. Um, but yeah, it is a balance uh, that, that you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think, uh, I mean, th that type of effort you gave to it, the lack of sleep, I mean, that might've been required. Do you think? It definitely was required. Yeah, <laughs> right. there, I think there's this idea, there's this idea with trading and I get it all the time. I get family members coming up to me and they'll be like, yeah, teach me how to trade. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you guys, you guys have got this too. Um, and I'm like, you know, I can't just, spend a weekend with you and teach you how to trade you got to work and you know i have family members who are engineers and doctors and they come to me well, exactly and, right and, listen and, i'm a doctor i can figure it out right they, they think they're smart and they're doctors and they, not maybe not engineers but doctors and these guys they they're they probably end up being the worst traders exactly. uh, anybody any doctors that are watching i'm sorry but sorry. but they but, do that's, uh, that's why i used to load them up because, with penny stocks yeah <laughs> there, there don't we buy go. anything yeah there, there we go and you know <clears throat> They have, I think they that this is easy. And, and of course, what they did is really hard, but you got to put that same time uh, into um, what you're doing here with trading. And in some respects, I think this might be even harder than that because not that, you know, studying stuff isn't easy, is easy, but I think you have with, with something like that, you get these, you get the result you want. You know, right. one plus one is two in science, right? In trading, it's not always like that. It's you can be doing all the right things, <laughs> exactly. and then it's still no matter how good you're doing, you're going to experience these drawdowns and and this other kind of mental game type stuff that that you end up having to deal with. Definitely, it's just a completely just different skill set, and like the human brain, I don't think is wired correctly for. Uh, Probably like probabilistic thinking, or it definitely is not it's it's something trained. No. Yeah, we're yeah. we're very results oriented, and that's why I always tell people like, don't look at. I keep mentioning the Robinhood traders because I see that right now, and I've been through that. You know, I I came up experiencing the same thing, and I think a lot of these guys are thinking right now that this stuff is easy, that um, that you know, my, look, look at my results. Uh, but really, you have to focus on the process and look like if I replicate what I'm doing now, am I going to be winning? And, and the answer is probably no. So, you know, don't look at if you're winning. And you, you know this from poker as well. Uh, you know, you were, uh, are you, do you play poker as a, like a, uh, I still do, yeah. I mean, pursuit I'm, right now? I'm, I'm still like, I mean, I'm weaning off. I mean, I'm definitely caught the, the trading bug more and I'm yeah. doing well right now. But like, like you said, Paul, just because I'm doing well now, I don't, I'm not right. like jumping well, the gun. Well, you know, you know, in poker, you can make a bad play and win and beat a professional, right? And, and uh, you might take a take a make take a play that you might have kings against aces, and you hit your king and make a set, and it was really a bad play there, 
uh, but you won, does that mean really you did the right thing? The answer is no. So we have to have like a really process oriented kind of approach to, to doing it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we, we can talk about this now because I know this is something we were talking about off camera, uh, just like the lessons that we learned from what I've learned from poker, what I've learned, what you've learned from trading and poker as well, that can translate into real life. And I think that just objectivity uh, to get yourself outside of yourself, outside of the results and analyze something, I think that you can further extend that even into life. Uh, I think, right. right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. What, what do you think? What, what, what other um, lessons have you learned in trading that you think translate over into life? Uh, lessons I've learned in trading, a lot of mental game stuff. Yeah. Uh, in terms of I, I probably walk around with this probabilistic kind of thinking now i'm always thinking yeah. i i don't think of things kind of with like right or wrong or or yes no there's always these shades of gray you know mm -hmm. uh and it, it i think my wife gets, gets a little annoyed by it uh even even when we're you know thinking about dinner you know i might say well there's a probability that this might end up being a good dinner and, you know and she gets tired of it but <laughs> I, I think i'm always thinking in, in that kind of uh in that kind of mindset, which I, which I think is a good thing. I do too. Uh, I do too. Not thinking in these absolutes. Yeah. And, under, and understanding that, uh, you know, this process oriented kind of, kind of thing also uh, really helps uh, in life. You know, something as simple as uh, uh, exercise. You know, I've had weeks where I felt like I was doing the right thing and maybe I didn't get the gains I wanted. Or, and uh, I realized, well, I'm doing the right thing. And if I just keep doing it, the results are going to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I love to hear that. I, I think the same way, Kanal, especially the, the probabilistic thinking. And sometimes it's hard for me to uh, connect or vibe with certain people who don't like are just so black and white. And I'm like, it's right. just not how things are. Things are not right. black and white. Like, right. well, you, well, you, well, OK, here, here's something that probably annoys people. Like someone say we're talking politics. I don't I try not to talk too much politics. But some say something someone asked me, you know, I was actually at someone's house the other day and we were talking about, you know, having a gun at home and protecting yourself. And uh, they were like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, do you believe in, you know, the right to bear arms and all that kind of stuff? And I was mm -hmm. like, well, and I went into this kind of nuanced kind of thing about, yeah, I believe in it, but you know, the, some of it should be, you know, we, we should temper back and he couldn't figure out like, is this guy a liber liberal or a conservative? And I said, I, I don't, you know, I don't fit into these labels. I, I think, you know, in these shades of gray, so maybe, you know, I can't just say, yeah, I, I believe in it or I don't. So um, sometimes that hurts you a little bit, but uh, I think it's a, it's a good way to go about living your life, you know, thinking in terms of these probabilities. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I 100% I agree with you, Paul. The, it's, it's just rational. I think it's the rational way, logical way of thinking, going about things. I want to, I want to, I want to come back to the, the job thing because I wanted to ask you uh, uh -huh. about maybe tips for people, because I'm sure some of the listeners want to pursue trading as a full-time pursuit. Any type of uh, tips you would you would give to them having a full-time job and pursuing this? Uh, study, study a lot, uh, practice a lot before jumping in. Really know what you're doing. Like you know, I was saying before, I don't really do anything until I feel like I've really mastered it. And you know, right now with options, I you know I've put on a few options trade, but at trades, and I feel like I really understand it. Uh, but until I really feel like I've mastered it, uh, I'm not going to do it. So, you know, I would say work hard, uh, take it piecemeal. Don't try to learn everything at once because there's just so much to learn and, and slowly build up your skills. Don't be in a hurry. 
And I think that's a problem for a lot of people too, is they're just in a hurry. And if you're in a hurry and you just start doing it right away, you're probably going to do what I did, which was blow up a few accounts. So uh, if you don't mind doing that, that's fine. But if you want to really protect your money, learn everything you can um, in trading specifically, understand risk, understand. Um, the first thing I would say is if you're thinking from sports perspective, uh, understand defense before offense, understand protecting your capital because you're in trading and poker and all these things. It's your, uh, your little nest egg there is really what's going to make you money. So protect that. Um, so come from that perspective. Well, excellent. Um, we had your, uh, your men, mentee, if that's what, yeah, mentee, <laughs> Kunal, there we go. Desai on the podcast. He calls me his sensei. Sensei. Yeah, he spoke very highly of you. Uh, like I said before, lively guy, really enjoyed talking with funny. What, oh, yeah, he's great. what was it like when you first met him and, and did you get the sense that like, okay, this, this guy, like he's got, like he can make it. Like, what, what was it like? Uh, when he, when he first contacted me, I thought he was a pest actually. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think he probably mentioned this. Yeah, I sped through the interview, but he always talks about it, how I kept saying no to him and, and the guy just would not give up. So finally I was like, okay, uh, yeah, we'll talk. Uh-huh. Well, um, yeah. So we got together. Um, and he was just like, full, you know, you know how he is. He's full of energy. So it was like slowing him down and, you know, he would, he would do this thing where you, you think, and he just wanted the next thing and the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, I was saying, you got to master this one thing. Um, so yeah. What was your question again? We started just, talking just, about just him, thoughts. But... What it was like meeting him. Did you, uh, like, like when did you like, like, so obviously you accepted him into like, like, you um, know, mentoring him. Did you, yeah, so, was there something about him that you knew like, okay, like I think he's got, like, he's got what it takes. He, he was, yeah, he was driven. I mean, he was messaging yeah. me all the time, contacting me all the time. You know, we talked on the phone, we talked on, uh, uh, you know, we messaged each other, each other back then there wasn't really video chat like this and we weren't, we were in different States, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it was pretty evident right away he was going to work at it. And um, once he made a mistake, he corrected it and it again. And surprisingly, he's really disciplined. Uh, for someone, you know, you see a guy like that with full of energy and yeah. go, 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 uh, is he's really disciplined. So right. yeah, it was pretty evident right away he was going to be a good trader. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because I, I think, Paul, um, you know, I, I relate to Canal in a sense like I, I maybe I'm not as high as energy as him, but I, I believe I'm like high energy. I'm probably a little bit uh, maybe aggressive with my style trading. You oh, know? you're high energy. Yeah, and I'm a little <laughs> aggressive with my trading style, but I believe that comes from poker because, you, as you know, Paul, like winning poker is aggressive poker. And so, like, right. you know, and I'm, I'm used to playing multiple tables, so I always want to kind of like be in the thing. But as JJ can attest, or at least I think he could attest, oh. with that style, you got to have discipline. Because if you're not, oh yeah, otherwise you're wiped out. Yeah, it'd be a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Train wreck. You know. So yeah, so yes, yeah. yeah, No, that's the one thing I noticed about Ray. I've been working with him for about a year now, and uh, you know he's the same way. He's very, very high energy guy, but he has a surprising amount of discipline because of his background in in the in poker. You know, so he knows like risk management, where most most retail traders, man, they'll. Because it's, you're clicking a button. There's nothing. In the old days, you'd call your broker, place a trade, and he'd go, eh, really? You're going to do that? Yeah, that's kind of fucking stupid. And, right. uh, you know, there, there'd be those checks and balances. Now they're just click, 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 click. And uh, with no risk management or not even, you know, it just whistles right through them. And Ray was completely the opposite, you know. 
So right. that's really cool. I find them very similar that way. They're both yeah, high they're, energy. There are definitely a lot of similarities. Uh, high discipline. Right, right. It, a lot, a lot of different, and, and with them and also with poker and trading. And if you've learned, yeah. you said you, you started poker and then got into trading? Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of those types of things transfer over really well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's why I felt fortunate in, because uh, I think like a lot of, the lessons, like the mental lessons or the, like the dealing with losses. I had so like, I mean, Paul had near a decade experience with, with handling that. You know what I'm saying? So right. it was just more right. of getting down the technical stuff. Um, so, you know, that, that was a blessing from that aspect. Uh, Paul, right. Right. I, I want to ask you, because I've, I've been seeing people comparing what's going on now to the, the era when you started, the dot-com bubble. Uh-huh. Uh, what are you seeing uh, through this time? Uh, very similar. Uh, I think it's a little bit different in the sense that uh, we're coming off this big, big meltdown. Whereas you know, we, we were in late 90s, it wasn't like that. You know, we were, the bottom had been many years ago. Um, so that's a little bit different. I think access to information is uh, for, for the newer traders is there now, which, which we talked about wasn't before. So I do think the traders now are a little better. Uh, but at the same time, the stuff you have to deal with, uh, it's a little more sophisticated now as well. So as we get better, uh, retail traders, um, the, other, the other end of it is better as well. So there's a lot of stuff that uh, I could do, you know, back in, uh, you know, what, what, 2004, 2005, 2006, like say the commodities boom mm-hmm. that I was doing then that doesn't work now. So if you pick up the, the classic, say, technical analysis books, um, some of that stuff does work now, but there's variations of it. So you've had to adjust to, you know, the, the way things happen now. I think a lot of, maybe a lot of traders aren't doing that. They, they're looking at just that, uh, you know, those old textbooks and the technical analysis, you know, standard kind of continuation plays and that kind of thing. Uh, whereas you do have to look at it a little deeper and make some adjustments uh, that you didn't have to back then. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, you know, I'm always, uh, I got a lot of respect for for guys like yourself, people who have stood the test of time. Uh-huh. How how have you maintained an adaptability uh, to change to the markets? What what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, what do you think? Maybe the key is or or your approach to staying fluid, staying open. Uh, the approach to being like well, just so like interested like, in it, or or figuring out what what what's going on. Yeah, well, just staying on top of things, right? Because uh, like you're saying, like, like there's certain patterns that don't, aren't going to work no more, certain technical analysis right. things. We have an introduction of a lot more algorithmic trading, which I'm sure right. changes the way the trading flow exactly. goes. Yeah. So, so what I'm asking is like uh, certain people just can't make, they can't switch strategies. They can't, they can't adapt. Like, right, it is right. So yeah. I think part of it is, I mean, you have to be really kind of into the game. You can't half-ass it. I think a lot of people, they just... You know, they have these patterns, they have these setups, and they just want to do the same thing over and over again. Uh, for me, you know, every, you know, I have, I have set, you know, like every day review, every month review, go back, not only my own trades, but what's going on in the market. And usually what happens with me is I start hitting a brick wall and I do start losing. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and say, okay, well, what's going on here differently? And, and it's like working a puzzle, trying to figure that stuff out. Um, that happened to me in March, where uh, some of the stuff I normally do, this isn't actually related to swing trading, it's related to day trading, uh, but some bread and butter stuff I normally do uh, back in March 
for about three weeks just stopped working. Um, and I went back and I just couldn't figure out like, hey, this is stuff I always do. Why is it not working? It took me a little while to figure out, okay, uh, specifically um, shorting the stuff that pumps in the morning. That's uh, like, and, and there's setups related to that, but that's basically what it is. You know, you know, they're being pumped up, whoever's, pump, whoever's pumping up, whether it's institutions or, or whatever it is, um, and going counter trend that. So a lot of the stuff I do is counter trend. I've been doing it for years and it's been working really well. Um, March was one of, one of the worst experiences I had with that. I was like, what's going on here? This is what I always do. And then I figured out, okay, something's different in the market now and then adjusting. But usually for me, there is a period where I do lose and then yeah. it's okay, figure out what's going on wrong here. Right. Right. Just, just, just staying immersed in the market and, uh, adapting from there. Adapting, uh, reviewing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Paul, yeah, I want to just, you know, and you don't have to go into to crazy detail, but I just kind of want just a general overview of maybe like your process about how you go about, um, you know, selecting your, your swing plays and, and also what's the, uh, the length that you're, you're typically playing for. Okay. So down approach. So I always start every day, every week, especially the, you know, at the start of the week. Uh, what's the market doing? So I, I define what the trend is, you know, what we're seeing in the market. Where do we see money flowing? So that kind of sets my bias. And the way it's setting my bias is, I think for a swing trader especially, uh, it's really important to know, you know how aggressive you want to be. Do you want to be conservative during this period? Do you want to be aggressive during this period? So that kind of sets the tone for, okay, I need to be aggressive here. I need to pull back a little bit here. Maybe we're a little overbought. Shouldn't be trading as much. So that's, that's the tone for that. And also, uh, what kind of setups do I want to be trading? Uh, are, do I feel like we're at the start of a trend uh, where I can really get some momentum here and maybe hold on to positions a little longer? Uh, do I at the end of the trend where maybe I need to go counter trend a little more? So that market analysis starts that off and I look, looking at market breadth indicators, looking at the market, looking at the trends. Then from there, I go to the industries and the sectors. Uh, and that's setting up uh, the type of stocks I'm going to be looking for. So unlike a lot of people, I actually scan very little. Uh, so, you know, Canal does, especially with the day trading, he does a lot of scanning. Yeah. I do scanning at all, uh, which is very different than what I used to do before. Mm -hmm. uh, before it was really, you know, back in 2000, 2007, uh, I had a lot, that's all I did was I scanned and I had, you know, the scan spit out stocks. I'd look for setups and it worked. Uh, but I don't feel like that works as well anymore. So I, I think you really have to understand things at a deeper level. So I, I do very little scanning now, aside for scanning for breakouts, breakdowns you know, overbought and oversold stocks. Outside of that, for swing, I do very little scanning. Mm -hmm. uh, but I break down the sectors, try to see where money's flowing, where do we see rotation? Uh, and from there, picking the best momentum stocks. Okay. So now I've got the stocks that I'm looking for. Um, and from there, then I'm looking for the setups. You know, when, when I was analyzing the market, I had an idea that these are the type of setups that are going to be working. You know, maybe, uh, you know, right now with, uh, you know, the tech stocks, especially software and, and cloud-based, I've been looking for, you know, the counter-trend stuff, you know, the fail breakouts. That's been working really well recently as we see rotation uh, out of them into some of the stuff that's been beaten down. So always kind of looking at where, where is the rotation, uh, where are people getting trapped? Um, yeah. So I think a lot of these people right now, especially in the cloud space, buying the dip has worked. So I know that, and I know that's how a lot of these guys are thinking. Um, so how do I kind of counter what, what they're doing? Good stuff. Thank you. Thanks for that, Paul. Um, I have, you know, I'm, I'm not swinging too much as, as recent 
I do have experience with a little bit of swing trades. Not not to the short side though. What are are you just primarily short? I mean long? Do you throw in some shorts? What's what's the uh, uh I use a really adaptive approach. So yeah. if I go where the opportunity is. So yeah, sure. Uh, especially if I feel like I'm in the middle or the beginning or a middle of a trend, uh I'm going almost exclusively long. Yeah. Uh, if I feel like we're getting extended, uh that's where I'll, I'll start shorting more. Yeah. What can you speak to maybe uh, the risks of swinging short? I mean, I, I really, I'm really not experienced. I really don't know anything. I just hear uh, people like, oh, don't, don't swing short. Don't swing short. I just hear this. Uh, well, uh, risk for swinging short. One, I do not short penny stocks or really super low float stocks. I feel like they're manipulated a lot. And you, if you get caught, you can get crushed, especially uh, if there's a heavy short interest. And that's one thing in general I do. If, if a stock has a lot of short interest, I'm probably not going to short it. Yeah. Uh, unless I feel like the squeeze is over, uh, then I'll start looking to short. So uh, for, you know, I know everyone has been talking about showing Tesla for, for ages now, <laughs> what it feels like. Uh, but I didn't short it once during that period. Yeah. I feel like the short, a lot of the short covering has happened in that stock. And now there might be good opportunities to short that. Mm -hmm. uh, but so I would avoid stocks that are, that are heavily short. Uh, avoid the really low float stuff. I trade those with upside, but uh, I, I avoid those in, in terms of shorting. Yeah. Um, the other thing is the shorts, uh, the moves happen really fast. So you have to catch them. Yeah. Uh, and you can get shaken out really easy. Right. Definitely. Well, I guess that's a, um, a nice part about shorting is that the moves do happen quicker, right? It's like a stand right, right. Uh, off the cliff on the way down. Right. Right. Jay, I know you've been following Tesla somewhat closely. What, what do you, what do you think? He's saying he thinks most of the short covering is done. Or what do you think? Well, Tesla is a HUD sucker proxy. Yeah. And what it is, is, I mean, I get, I used to get paid quite a lot of money to do short squeezes. So um, what you do is you do exactly that. You know, you pretend the CEO is a little nuts. Uh, you suck up all the stock. Bailey Gifford owns most of the stock. They've made $16 million this year going long. So that tells you what's going on with the shorts. Uh, right. I am completely surprised at how most retail traders, and this shocks the hell out of me, uh, don't even think about simple things like supply, demand, and where the paper is. Right. Um, you know, you look at a company like Tesla and you got 70, 80% of the paper tied up with people who say they're not going to sell it for 30 years. Where's your supply coming from? Give your head a shake, right? Uh, you need supply to short. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I, I don't understand how people, you know, they don't even look at the structure of a company, how a public company is structured. And I've taken over 200 companies public. Um, how a company is structured affects how it's going to trade. And that's how once I was able to take a stock from 30 cents to 300 bucks. And uh, it basically had nothing in it, but I had all the stock outside of DTC sitting in a UPS box. So, um, you know, you'd be buying people in every day and there's just no supply and charts are wonderful, but you know, I once held a stock at 30 bucks at 90 RSI for three months. Um, so all that right, stuff right. is really cool and everything, but you know, trading, you know, you know it's, it's trading is that, supply and demand, man. Yeah, yeah. And it has it's been funny. for 300 years. It's funny that you mentioned RSI uh, because I, when I don't have any indicators on my charts anymore, cool. I, I figured out pretty quickly. Well, not not pretty quickly. It took me some time, but I figured out that yeah, the, these RSI indicators they really don't tell you a whole lot. 
uh, because these stocks can, you know, stay at those levels for a long time. It's structure, you know, yeah, structure people, is everything. Yeah, yeah. But people think oh, RSI 80, uh, I've got to start shorting now. And that's not, oh, not the case. That's not and, the case at all. You know, it's uh, you know, Ray will show you, show you a deal. I did. I have a chart where, you know, we didn't have a down day in two years and we got written up in Bloomberg. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I took the stock from uh, two to six bucks and held it there. You know, it was a two year deal. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it was a box deal. And most traders don't even know what a box deal is. Right. right? right. So Tesla is a box deal. Every time this guy goes and acts crazy, he's, uh-huh. he's crazy as a fox. Right. right? Because right. you're inducing the short. Right. See, what I would do when I tried to get people short, right, I'd try and suck shorts in. I'd shop a fake block. You know, so uh-huh. you got a $25 stock. I'd call the, I'd call the, the block guys and go, look. Mm-hmm there's uh, 5 million shares at a 30% discount being shopped around. So everybody would start shorting it. Then I trap them. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> right. So, so basically the moral of the story is anytime Elon Musk does something crazy, get long, get long, yeah. Yeah, get <laughs> long. Right. If you, if you, I mean, there's a movie <laughs> yeah. called the hot sucker proxy, Paul. Right, right. Robbins, yeah. Right? Old school. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the, uh, was that early nineties? I remember that one. Yeah. yeah but that is yeah. all about stock manipulation. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't short it, man. Uh, yeah, Jay, I, I think that's been one of the biggest things I've learned from you. And, and speaking to Paul with, with the indicator bit, right? It's like, it doesn't matter what the, if, if a big, if a big player wants to move something, it's going to move. It doesn't matter what these indicators are saying. If, they, if it's a big, oh, yeah. it right. matter. that shit's going right. to, you know what I mean? You know, you got, I mean, I've traded for guys, you know, the, the, the kind of money that they have and they move markets, uh, it, it, and I've done short squeezes for some pretty crazy people. Um, and, um, you know, it, you know, where, where you squeeze a stock so badly that we'll take down two or three clearing firms. Yeah. Right. Oh, um, wow. yeah, I mean, <laughs> so wow. yeah. Um, uh, you know, my, my clients are, you know, are guys who take down clearing firms for fun and entertainment. Uh, um, you know, I was, that was going through my head. Like I was imagining <laughs> these old guys just high-fiving each other. As they oh yeah. Fresh. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the parties are wonderful afterwards, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, so I, I, you know, I, I love how retail traders tough it out. Like I'm listening to your story. Uh-huh. And it's because I remember in the nineties, I mean, I was just filling all your bids oh, yeah. and, because my clients asked, what was the volume? How much did I sell? See you tomorrow, kid. And, uh, you know, price didn't really matter because it's just stock is just paper. You can always print more. Right. Um, right. And it's just fascinating because, and now I've learned about retail trading and the discipline because when I started retail trading, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Right. Then you're losing. You're like, Hey, wait a minute. You know? Uh And then you start learning about, you know, discipline and journaling and setups and all Mm -hmm. of this. And I'm like, boy, these guys really work hard. You know, I have a lot of respect for retail traders. I'm sure coming from that background that you have gives you a lot of insight when you are retail trading. You can kind of see, okay, this is what I would be doing this period. So, you know, I should be avoiding this or doing that. Yeah. And that's what we teach. And, uh, but I I have a lot of respect for guys like you, especially in the nineties, because, you know, trading books were like 300 bucks back then. Uh-huh. And you know, like there was, you know, not much information. They were they were three hundred bucks and they were garbage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really, right? Nothing, nothing in those things work. Right, and you had right. to get them from, um, you know, like uh, New York Institute of Finance and order them and stuff. Right. right. But I was lucky because I lived in a city where there was a stock exchange, so I uh-huh. weaseled my way in, right? But and, right, right. And, and started on the institutional side. 
But yeah, for retail traders, I have a ton of respect for retail traders because the discipline that they have, um, you know, and the self-teaching process, right? right. Uh, you know, that that's that's really to be admired. Mm -hmm. Well, being a mentor to people, what would you say is maybe the most common area of trading that you find people struggle with the most? Uh, struggling the most, I would say getting caught up in, uh, you know, kind of that fear of missing out something or just mm -hmm. losing the discipline, losing the, you know, you know, you have these things you're supposed to be doing and then you see something like Tesla skyrocketing and, and you, you lose that kind of discipline and feel like you have to just jump in. Um, cause really when you think about it, it, it's tough, but most people I think have the ability to understand what you need to do, but then are they going to actually apply it and do it? Uh, and then our emotion, like you said, you know, we're not wired to do this stuff. Yeah. Well, the emotions get involved and you just kind of veer off and start doing the wrong things. And then guys like, like JJ there can take advantage of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Paul, yeah, I want to, um, I want to ask you about these Robin Hood traders because you know you, you almost you almost like said you was a Robin Hood trader back. I was. Back I was the OG, the original, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, and, and this is what I think. And you being a poker player too, so maybe you can understand where I'm coming from with this take. Uh, I'm about to say. Oh, when I seen all this happening, uh, there's a lot of people like knocking the retail trade or the uh, the Robin Hood traders. Uh, uh -huh. People knocking this guy from Barstool Sports, Dave Dave Portnoy, and I. I I can only think of like my poker experience, right? And the, the thing is like, hey, you don't you don't berate the fish at the table. You don't tell them how <laughs> exactly, right, right, exactly. And so I'm like, why is everybody yeah. like ragging on these people? Like, don't I you mean, want dumb money in the markets? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, we should be pouring them a drink wrong. and getting them a comfy chair. I'm right. like, what's, what's wrong with people? You know, like, come on, like, but but anyway. I guess speaking to 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 the Robin Hood traders um, yeah. in Portnoy, I mean, I think this is a good thing, right? It brings. Well, I think it, it's fantastic. Market, yeah, right? it's fantastic. I mean, look at the market we've had over the last few months. Without yeah. them, it's probably not happening like this. So it's definitely a good thing, <laughs> and I think they are more sophisticated than, uh, say, in the past. Uh, yeah. They do know a little more. I haven't. I actually haven't followed that guy too closely, uh, but I do do know. I, I think he was put in pen. Wasn't he the, uh, the the casino? Yeah, well, Penn, uh, yeah, Penn bought them out. Yeah, or, or Penn bought yeah, a so, stake in them. So I know that was one of his big, uh, that was one of his big plays. And you look look at the casino space; it's doing better than any other casino. So maybe, yeah. maybe he's onto something. So you know, uh, I think a lot of it is jealousy, uh, and you know, you see that in poker too. The good players, they you know. They get jealous or upset when some other person's winning, and that's kind of the way we respond to it. Oh. Uh, but no, I definitely think it's a, it's a fantastic thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it has to be. No, and it does. It, it tilts me when I see people like making fun of them or like it's like, come on, man, like stop it, man. You know exactly. Everyone's right. got to right. learn. And if I can say something, you know, just on that, on on that, like BlackRock, Vanguard, and Berkshire have a billion shares of Apple. They got to sell it to somebody eventually. Right, right, right. We got to have the retail in the market so we can. It's a market. We got to bring people in to sell them stuff. Right, you know? right. Yeah, because because I, I don't know. Because I mean, I, I just I'm thinking from like a theoretical standpoint. Doesn't it make it? It creates a bigger edge, right? If you have more people in the market that don't know what the hell's going on, it's going to create a bigger edge for the people who do know what's going on. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's, that's no, the way I'm looking. Their at stops are our liquidity. Yeah. 
Yeah. So so everyone, be nice to the Robinhood traders out yeah. there. Just just be nice to everybody. If someone's doing something wrong, unless you're like mentoring them, don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Leave them for me. Leave, leave them, them for us. Leave them alone. Yeah. Leave, leave, leave them alone. You know, leave the food alone. Exactly. Exactly. But no, that's funny. No, I like, if anything, I, I like what, what, what uh, he's doing. Like they're doing like funny, like little videos with the market. They're making it fun. I mean, you see the people on CNBC and this is just my opinion, but it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, and I think that's why the, the Robin Hood traders or the younger people are gravitating towards him because he's making it more modern. He's making it fun. Right. Uh, right. For people. And I don't know. I just, that's my thoughts. I think it should be more fun for people, but all right. That's, that's enough of <laughs> questions. When I ask some Paul, Paul about Paul Singh, get to know all right. him. Paul, I'm going to know me. Uh, I want to I want to ask you this because I, I know you're a San Francisco 49ers fan. Oh, diehard, diehard. Yeah, I've got my I always got my hat here. Uh oh, yeah, close uh, to yeah. me. There we go. Actually, Excellent. you rarely ever see me without this. I I, I comb my hair for you guys. Yeah. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> well, I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's probably one of the best coaches. Oh, he's amazing in the league. He's very fortunate. How do you, great great defense? Obviously, great running game, all that. But how do you feel about Jimmy Garoppolo? I love him. Yeah. He, yeah, he got us to the Super Bowl. I mean, especially after the quarterbacks we've had. I mean, uh, uh, Kaepernick was good. But we've had a lot. Of, since Steve Young, we've basically had two good quarterbacks, Jeff Garcia yeah. and Kaepernick. So, so he got us to the Super Bowl. Uh, I know he missed the one pass at the end to Sanders uh, that everyone gets on him for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, as much as I love Shanahan, Shanahan got super conservative in the second half. So mm -hmm. I don't think it was all on Garoppolo, but I love him. Also, he's coming off that same injury that Brady had yeah. uh, way back when, where Brady missed the whole season. It took Brady an entire next season to get back to being Brady. So if you think of Garoppolo in that same spot, this wasn't the year he's going to be really good. It's, it's going to be this coming year. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on the Niners, definitely. Even though I know I'm biased, <laughs> I'm supposed to be objective. But I, but I am bullish on the on the Niners. No, I am I am too. Uh, no, I'm a big big football fan, Paul. Uh, do you? Uh, I nothing crazy, but I'll bet a little bit. I'll, I'll play like DraftKings. Mm -hmm. uh, are, are you involved in any like gambling in the football space? Uh, just for fun, nothing serious. Yeah. I actually uh, about a week ago I put my Super Bowl bet in. So okay. I, I've got. I basically think there are three. Uh, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Niners, especially in this season, when you think about the fact that there is no preseason, no, yeah. not really much of a training camp. Right. So who's going to do the best? The teams with the most talent and the best coaches who have had a system in place where you don't have to learn a bunch of players learning new things just because mm -hmm. of the, the situation we're in right now with quarantine and everything. Yeah. So who are those teams? The Niners have Shanahan. Chiefs obviously have Mahomes and Andy Reid. And then the Ravens, you know, they have the reigning MVP and then they have uh, Harbaugh. Yeah. So I really think it's one of those three teams. So I basically put money on each of them to win the Super Bowl. So uh, the Ravens are, I think it was five to one. Chiefs are six to one. Niners are 10 to one. Okay. So uh, same amount on each. Uh, so let's say, let's say it was, I don't want to say how much I bet. Uh, that's giving out <laughs> too much information. <laughs> but let's say, if, let's say it was, let's say if it was, uh, basically, be putting down if you really think they're going to those three teams in it. You're putting down three thousand dollars. If the Chiefs win, you six thousand. If the Ravens win, you've got sixty five hundred. And if the Niners win, you've got ten thousand. So, yeah. so that's the bet. That's the bet there right now. But all right, all I just right. bet for fun. It, 
I just bet for fun. It's not, nothing serious. You know, it's, most of my bets are between a hundred and a thousand somewhere in there. Right, right, right. No, I, I it's just fun. I, yeah, like, like I said, yeah. I do it for fun too as well. It, it's yeah. always a little bit more exciting when you have a little bit on yeah, the- a little bit of juice on. You don't want too much juice because then, right. then it becomes miserable. <laughs> then it becomes miserable watching those games. But right. uh, uh, it's good to have a little action. Yeah. Sick. I always like telling this this joke, Paul. And I'm pretty sure I've told it on the podcast, but I'll tell it again. It's like I remember like Fourth of July. I was watching the fireworks, and uh, then uh, like I realized I couldn't bet on it. And then like I'm like, I left. <laughs> <laughs> like what am I doing? Hey, we're always thinking. We're always thinking probabilities, right? Yeah, no right. Kidding. Right. Right. Maybe you got to like bet on like next color or something. I don't know. I got to think of something <laughs> next Fourth of July. Um, right. Right. But yeah. So were the the Niners were favorite from the NFC. I don't know. I haven't looked at the odds in a little bit. Uh, that's that's to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, so yeah. it's ten to one for the Niners, uh, about about six point five to one for the Ravens, and six to one for the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like the way you're thinking about it. With you know, no preseason, uh, really. I mean, they're not. I mean, Paul, they're not practicing in pads until I think this like at least at least another week and a half or so. Oh, really? Right. So, so that, that just gives a huge advantage to the teams that, that you know, are already, one that are more talented two that yeah. have these systems in place and good coaching already. But who, who do you, who, so I'm a Niners fan. Uh, what yeah. about you guys? Well, I'm, uh, a, I'm a Jets fan. So, you know, that's, Oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> goodness. I, I don't know. If we I'm can... sure... <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, um, you know, I really, I really enjoy football, like especially more than the other sports, just because of I think the strategical thinking that goes into football, uh, the game uh, planning, the adjustments they have to make to the other team, uh, and yeah. that's why I really appreciate good coaches like Kyle Shanahan. I like I, I really appreciate right. their innovation. and like right. us, we Adam Gaze. This guy is terrible, yeah. man. And I watch every game. That and, actually, I find that aggravating. That, it that is guy, that guy is a is an NFL coach right now. Yeah. Um, but speaking to the Jets and thinking about probabilities and risk reward. I actually made a big play on uh, Sam Darnold mm-hmm. in buying up his uh, rookie cards. Oh. Uh, so thinking about thinking about you know how trading skills transfer over. Yeah. Um, like thinking with him as like uh, maybe a hot IPO, uh, or right. I don't know if he's that hot right now. I don't know how high people are on him, but I think he's super talented. So you have that there, um, and value. He's really missed right now. So for example. Uh, if you take him versus, say, Kyler Murray, Murray's rookie card is worth around $500 right now. And you can pick up Darnold for 50 bucks. So, you know, I just lit up on him 50 bucks. If he has a good season, it's going to be 50 or 200. So you can see, like, the, the way we think about trading can transfer over to, uh, to other areas. Yeah. No, I love it. Paul, I love it, man. Uh, it's, it is so transferable. And I love the way you just put it because – Darnold, I I think the people in the know honestly like agree with you, Paul. Like Darnold is very talented. I yeah. think we just got to look at his situation as a whole, right? I mean, terrible coach. Yeah. Out of like most of the like the young quarterbacks, like the team, the team's built nobody around him to help him out. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying so. Uh, that's why I hope. Like it's like not that I want the Jets to tank, but I mean I want Gaze out of there. So to give this kid a shot, you know. Right, right. Get, get some good coaching. Yeah. Get, get some good coaching. Get some. Get him some some players around him. He doesn't really have that much around him either. No, no, not much. But yeah, yeah. It's uh, I like I like the way I like the way you're approaching the bets. Um, okay, let's see here. I know you said you're not a, a reader of trading books. Are you a reader anything else? Uh, I I I read a lot of books on decision making. Not necessarily. I'm not into like self books but books on decision making uh you know, like say irrational predictability and that relates to a lot of stuff you talked about how we're not wired to do things so these 
kind of play on that. Uh, that's one of my favorite books. Uh, a book I read probably once a year is The Science of Fear, which is not that popular in decision-making space, but if you ever pick that up and read it, uh, it's a fantastic book. Uh, kind of related to our wiring and, and how we should be thinking about, about these things. That's a really good one. Um, I like, uh, from a poker's perspective, it's not poker, uh, but she was a poker player and Duke, her book, Thinking in Bets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's overrated as a poker player, but that book it, it is really good. Uh, yeah. so that, that's a good one. That's a good one as well. So I read a lot of books like that on decision making. Okay, cool, cool. You know, it's funny. Uh, you're, you're right about her being overrated as a poker player. I would agree. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny because uh, JJ, what was it? Two podcasts ago, we had on uh, Ryan Fee. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Paul, but he was. Uh, I'm not. No. He's a high stakes poker player. Okay. Uh, he came up. Yeah, he came up through the the poker boom. He was an online guy. But uh, we had him on because he's involved in like crypto and, you know, investing and stuff. And he was, man, he went on a rant about her. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, well, just yeah. Like poker, she, well, she kind of scammed a few people in poker and stuff. So yeah, I've we heard just, about, I actually know a few poker pros around here who have talked about that. Yeah. But um, aside from her poker, whatever it is in poker, the book is the book really is good. good. The book, <laughs> okay. It's not about poker. It's, it's about... Right you know, probabilities and, and thinking, you know, in, in terms of your life and, and how to do that. So it's a really good book. Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't read anything she puts out on poker specifically. So. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that, that's for sure. So, so you took up poker, Paul, 2017. I mean, how, how did that come about? And just, just tell me a little bit about like how, how frequently you play. Um, I play once or, I play mostly live. I, I don't like playing online, yeah. uh, but I go in probably once a week. Uh, quarantine has changed things. Uh, but uh, between, you know, there's local casino here and home games around here. And it's actually some pretty good big home games out here. A lot of some of the uh, uh, big poker pros from the boom uh, are out here and they've got some home yep. games going and stuff is spread out. So there, there's uh, some good games. I play about once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too much. Yeah. Uh, but nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I would think this is at least what I hear. California is probably like, at least especially Southern California is probably the best for like live poker. Um, uh, it's really good. In yeah. the States. Yeah. The game, yeah. the game's really good. The home games are good out here. Uh, even if, if you compare, like, you know, if you play at the Bellagio or win and then uh, come out to California, it's totally different. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the games in Vegas, I think are probably relatively tougher. Uh, a lot tougher. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's I do like going there just because no one knows me. So, you know, they haven't figured me out and I yeah. can go there for like a week and do well and then just get the hell out of there, you know, yeah. as they start to figure me out. Yeah. Would you, you know, being trading, uh, trading and, and being in poker as well, I, I like to, and I don't even know if this is right of me, but like I, I try to like compare them a little bit sometimes and I definitely, there's definitely a bigger luck factor in poker. Would you agree? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Right. Poker right. It can is, be like it can be a lot more brutal. It can be uh, tough. Yeah. It can yeah. be brutal. I, I almost think like it's a a tougher. I think it's tougher on the mental aspects at certain times. I mean, especially like doing it for a living. I mean, man, I remember how stressful it was for me, and I'm sure trading is stressful too, um, as well. Um, starting off, but um, yeah. I mean, it, when you first started playing poker, like how. How did you fare against the competition? I mean, how were, were you losing at first? Did you pick it up relatively quickly? Uh, you know, I, I picked it up. I, I went through a lucky run, much like I did in trading. Yeah. Uh, and then it got tougher. Uh, but I think because of the trading background, yeah. Uh, yeah. it came to me pretty quick. And then I had a few players who were really good who, who 
kind of took me under their wing and showed me a few things. So um, I picked it up pretty quickly and out here, the games are much softer. So, yeah. so I think that was a benefit. Um, and, and then I, I kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I immersed myself in it, but I, you know, I spent some time with it, um, picked it up pretty quickly and uh, yeah, it's gone pretty well. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious. And we don't, I guess we don't have to talk about it too long, but you know, I love poker. I could yeah. talk it all the time, but what, what yeah. type of like studying did you do? Like, how did you, uh, like, yeah, what, what resources did you go to? Uh, a lot of it was at the table. Uh, yeah. and I, I saw some of the basic stuff about you, you said you're, you know, you play tag. Uh, and I think a lot of it was, uh, maybe the mentality, I, the approach I went through trading was the same thing, which, which was figuring out what everyone is doing and, and seeing that it's, not necessarily working and making the adjustments and, and kind of maybe going counter trend to that. So I know right away when I'm at table, someone who plays tag, right? Yeah. And, and I know that they've studied this and they play. Uh, I know who a guy who's, who say, you know, now everyone's playing GTO, right? Yeah. Uh, or the pros are playing GTO. So I know right away if they're, and for those of you who don't play poker and are watching this, maybe they're not interested in this, but some of the stuff transfers over. So I know That's right true. away, like if they're three betting me, uh, some guy who I figured out is playing is using a polarized range, right? I know mm -hmm. what they do. I don't do that myself, right? Uh, but I know they either have aces or kings or ace king, or they've got that polarized range where they're using, say, ace four suited and a few things. That's basically three betting. Um, so I know how to combat that because I know what they what they've got. And even though they're a good player, and they see me as a fish, and I probably do a lot of fishy things, uh, I have to do that. Because I'm not going to be, they're almost like the institutions. I cannot beat them doing what they're doing, right? If, if I did the GTO, I'd basically have to give up trading and start studying four hours a day and figuring, you know, using all that, whatever they do. On the a lot of pile, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah pile solver and all that yeah. stuff, which I've never, I don't know anything about that. I would have to do that. And I can't, I, I don't have the time to do that. So I, I can't. So I use an approach to combat that. And all three bet with, all three bet with, you know, nine, six suited or nine, six off even. And when I beat them, they look at me like I'm a moron, but I'm beating them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So actually at the local casino, at the local casino, a lot of guys there look at me like that guy's a fish, but how does he keep winning? Yeah. And, and that's basically <laughs> what I'm doing is I, under, I shouldn't probably say this now. <laughs> not that any of those guys are going to watch it. Yeah, hopefully they're not watching it. I, yeah, I basically know what they're doing. Yeah. I know they're better than me too. Uh, but I know what they're doing and I'm kind of counteracting, counteracting yeah. that. So that's yeah. kind of like what we're doing with trading too. So it's some of that I'll identify right away. Okay. I'm playing, I'm playing with Ray. He plays tag. So I know, you know, he's going to be super aggressive. He might say it had ace King and he's going to, he's going to continuation bet 70% of the time. So I'm not going to automatically fold. Uh, I'm going to challenge him more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's these kind of knowing, you know, figuring out people, um, you know, judging the, the kind of the vibe at the table, uh, kind of like in trading too, you're, you're trying to assess what's going on in the market now. Uh, same kind of same. So a lot of these skills transfer over. And if you can transfer them over and understand, use your, use these skills you've learned, you can actually apply them to a lot of different things, whether it's poker, whether it's trading, you know, whatever you're doing. Yeah, definitely. No, and I'm, you know, like I was saying before, I'm glad it, it's, it's great to hear this because I think in the same way, it's like, like so many of these skills we've learned are, so, are transferable to all aspects of life. And, you know, just, just to touch on your poker approach, Paul, like I really do like it. Like for someone who doesn't study like the, the solver, doesn't right, solve, right. you know, the, right, the, right. The, the perfect bounce strategy, the best thing to do is to take us out of the game tree that we're not familiar with. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Now, I, can't, 
I can't count the number of times people have went on tilt against me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, serious tilt, especially in some of the home games that I'm in. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, just, you just have to counteract that. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun game. You, you ever dabble in uh, anything else besides Hold'em or just strictly Hold'em? Uh, I've played a little PLO. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too much. Uh, it, more for just action and fun because it's so much more fun. You know, people, you know, especially when you go, the home games are always fun. At the casino, it can be pretty boring just sitting there for hours and barely anybody's playing a hand. But in PLO, there's just so much more action. Uh, so, you know, I'll just take a, 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 you know, play like a one-two PLO game just for fun. Uh, yeah. But I haven't really done much more than that. Yeah, gone too deep. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's why I've always preferred to play online, Paul. It's just sometimes the casino can just be slow. I mean, especially if you're playing the way you should be playing, it's going to be a lot of folding. You know, you got people who take a long time with their decisions right. sometimes. I'm like, man, like, fuck, man. <laughs> right. Oh, God, it's horrible. It can be terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Well, there, there's some good aspects, too. There's a lot you can pick up live that you just can't do. Not that yeah. I played much online. I played very little online. But um, there's a lot of things you can pick up live that you can't, uh, you know, on the computer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think just seeing somebody's profile gives you a lot. Um, or seeing what someone looks like. Okay, if I got an older gentleman, I probably have a better idea. He's probably gonna be real tight. He's not He's not gonna play crazy. There's a younger right, kid. Right. Okay, he might be a little more volatile, you know, right. et cetera, things like that. Right, right, right. Um, okay, let's see, uh, musical taste. Ah, uh, you know, I always give the standard answer that I like good music, that's it. But I like any genre as long as it's good. Uh, you know, you can go back to the 70s, 80s, 90s now. If it's good, I like it, you know, so um, very, 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 uh, very varied. So yeah, like a lot of different things. All right, all over the place. Well, what's your favorite thing to do out in San Diego? Uh, the beach, of course. Beach. Uh, yeah. Hanging out at the beach, a lot of trails out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Favorite movie or movies? Uh, my all-time favorite series would be the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was a huge Batman fan growing up, so seeing yes. that and seeing it done right instead of the comically where you know the TV show way back when. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I love that. Uh, I like a lot of science fiction movies. Uh, so I'm really into science fiction movies, but I like just about again anything that's really good. But the Dark Knight trilogy. For me is, yeah. is, is the best shout out to batman no i love batman <laughs> too I, and no it's funny like i you know once i had my son i could like it's like all right i could start like you know it's <laughs> right, okay for right. me to start watching batman stuff you know yeah. like <laughs> right right uh they're making they're making a movie i think i don't know if it's halted with um you know the covid situation uh-huh and uh, batman, a new, oh yeah the, yeah i heard that they are they're making a new yeah. one right right yeah all right um all right you're on death row What's your last meal? Oh, my last meal. Wow. Okay. Uh, New York strip. Okay. Uh, medium rare. Uh, good baked potato. Pretty basic. Good baked potato. Good <laughs> steak. Uh, no vegetables. Forget the vegetables. And, and then a molten lava chocolate cake. <laughs> I could eat that every day of the rest of my life. That is great. Yeah. Either that or a good hamburger. I'm a burger connoisseur. So. Uh, a good burger uh, as well. Okay, excellent, excellent. You were, we were talking, uh, when, when we were off camera, we were talking about uh, you and Canal being, you know, different, like di- different personalities, but it, right. it's working, right? But right. sometimes different personalities can uh, butt heads. Did you guys, what, what maybe like butt head moment, do you guys get into it? 
we've had butt head moments, yeah. but actually butting heads. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I really honestly, it's going to sound crazy and it may, would sound like I'm making this up, but I can't remember the last time we got into it about anything. Mm. Um, part of it, I think a lot of it is him. Uh, because I think if he challenged me, I would probably get into it. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, you see, he's just such a like he's just such a happy-go-lucky, cool guy that uh, honestly, I, I I couldn't tell you the last time we really butted heads on anything. Yeah. And you know, he leaves me alone to do my thing. You know, even you know, he's the it's his company, he's CEO, mm -hmm. but he's never once come said come and said to me like, you got to do this, you got to do that. Uh, he's basically like, hey, what do you want to do? And then we talk about it. So, uh, yeah, we've never even, I can't remember, honestly. Yeah. That's probably why we've lasted so long together. Yeah, awesome. No, no, that's great to hear, man. Shout out to Canal. We, uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Me, me and Jay, me and Jay like him a lot. And I, I, just, I just love his approach to like, uh, that, that you guys take to the whole business. It's it's a more of a family thing. It's like a mentor thing. It's oh, not, it definitely you know, is. it's yeah. way different than how a lot of people go about things. And, you know, yeah. me and Jay trying to take that same approach. We, we really appreciate that. That's, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Definitely, Jay. What you what you got for our boy, our boy Paul? Any questions? Well, I first of all, great respect to to somebody who's been doing it this you know, uh, doing it in this business and succeeding in it. And it's funny because we're both South Asian. So um, now you're in law school, right? right. I, I mean, I took four years of microbiology to try and please my parents, right? To try uh -huh. and get into med school. So I right. you know. So you're in law school. You tell your mom that you're going to drop. You're, you're going to be a trader. How, well, how did I, that I did. go over? I actually didn't do that. So I, I you know, I, I, I worked for many years. So as a lawyer, I, I yeah, I went, oh, okay. to, yeah, I didn't go to full time till 2012. And that kind of code goes to my really cautious approach uh, oh, cool. about before, okay. where I don't do anything till I master it. Okay. So, you know, I traded from, you know, while working from 2005 to 2012. Oh, okay. So, so you actually once, passed the yeah. bar and worked as a lawyer. Yeah. So oh, when, okay. When I felt comfortable, uh, and I was super cautious, so I, you know, I had a big nest egg. Uh, you know, the count, I could, yeah. probably could have went full time way before that, yeah. uh, but I was really cautious. I even I tell people who want to go full time, uh, don't be in a rush. You know, yeah. make sure you know you've got that nest egg, you've got a, a good amount of capital to work with to actually make a living off it. Um, so yeah, it it took me some time. So I, I never really had okay. that conversation. I can oh, imagine okay. if I did, if I did, uh, I, I think we probably wouldn't even be speaking now. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, would, it would not have went well back then. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah no, I know, I got that yeah. too. And sorry, just to jump in, Jay, I'm sorry to, to get back in, but, uh, you know, Paul, like, I think that's, a, I think that was the biggest thing. Uh, I think it's, a, it's right to take a cautious approach, especially uh, doing it full time, right? Cause, like, especially you have a family, like I had a son, I have a son. Yeah. I, I think I probably took, I probably wasn't even ready when I did it uh -huh. to make the transition. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I mean, thing. Yeah. There's nothing like having a paycheck that comes in every couple of weeks. I know, right. you know, in some ways you give up a lot of freedom and that we're, I think that's, that's the allure. Everyone's looking for freedom and it's fantastic uh, to have that. But if you're not capitalized to trade full time, uh, the stress level, I mean, I was capitalized to do it and I didn't have to worry. Uh, and still, you know, if I had a losing a uh, couple of weeks, three weeks, uh, it would, it would, it was tough. Mm -hmm. And now if I actually had to worry about paying the rent in, at that spot, I can't imagine what I would have done. And then all that stuff manifests itself in your trading. Oh yeah. Um, I think some of the mental game stuff gets overblown. 
but there are definitely some issues, especially <laughs> stress levels and that type of thing, uh, where you, you really don't want to be in that spot. You got to be able to so have a clear I, head. Yeah. So you definitely, I know there's a rush to do it and want to do it, but as long as you can wait to where you're comfortable, you definitely should, should take that approach. Yep. Good stuff. Hmm. Bye, Jay. No, that's, that was about it. I was just, cause you know, we've had, you know, you, you know, we've had, you know, you could all and now you, and so it's uh, it's always interesting to get that perspective. You guys are, you guys are my, part my of the Wall Street family now. Let's say, yeah, we got a, you know, we got the brown guy Wall Street family. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. No, I, I would, you know, especially to the listeners that are thinking or, or have ambitions to do it, you know, take it, you know, take it from Paul, definitely take it from me. Cause I don't think I did it the right way, honestly. And I was, you know, stressed probably for like most of the time <laughs> I was, I was oh, playing really? poker. Yeah. yeah so well, you, no, well, oh, so just, you went poker full time. Like you get, that was full time. Yeah. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For, for three and a half, four years I was. Oh, wow. And, and you know, and I, and I did it semi-professional before, but you know, I guess uh, having a kid, you know, and then just like, yeah, you're going to have a losing month. You're going to have a losing yeah. two, three weeks. And right. then it's like, your mind starts racing. You got to really be able to like, right. okay, no, this is part of poker. This is how things going. Okay. No, I'm right. not playing well. But it's hard to stay objective <laughs> through that time, you know, right. and then you got bills, you got to pay this and that. So yeah, it's be, do what Paul did, be well capitalized. Yeah. So because yeah, it there's, will, not, yeah, there's nothing wrong with working a few more years yeah. and, and, you know, saving up and, and, and really be ready uh, when you're doing it to the, to the point that, you know, if you're going to go through drawdown no matter what, yeah. no matter how good you are. Um, so, you know, be, unless you're like uh, JJ, who would, was that st- you went with two for two years without losing it. <laughs> no, was that, that? Was, so that was I was building a chart, <laughs> oh, okay. right? So we just didn't uh, have a down day in two years, but I was manipulating yeah. the stock. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. a retail so, trader, so, yeah, right? Yeah, All the stock sitting in my desk drawer, right? right? right. And uh, you know, I'm trading this from like 30 different offshore accounts, yeah. so it's a completely different story, you know. Right, retail right. trading, I was lucky because. You know, I got a job where, you know, I'm placing blocks, I'm working with clients, I'm trying to get them a 15C to 11. So I'm in front of the screen. So that's how I learned how to retail trade because I was sitting here, you know, you know, doing my business and I take another screen and throw a market profiles chart on it and watch that all day, you know, while I'm lying to some client. So, (laughs) you know, it's just, and they're lying to me and you know, it's the game, right? It's the business, right? Right. So I'm not selling. Oh, you know, of course I know you're not selling. Right, right. Um, you know, there's like a hundred thousand shares hitting my bid right now. Yeah, I know you're not selling. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> Dude, you yeah. Be careful. So this, you know. <laughs> no, no, I was just gonna say you gotta be careful, man. I, I saw one of you know, you know, people be leaving uh, like uh, shithead comments sometimes, yeah. and somebody yeah. was like, someone was like, uh, listen to this market maker. He's so proud of himself. What a scumbag. <laughs> 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 oh, that's yeah, adorable. Yeah. That's absolutely adorable. Oh, uh, but um, yeah. I mean, I guess that about wraps it up, Paul. You, right. you. Uh, I guess last thing, you, uh, you day trade a little bit as well, along with swings. I do. I do. Yeah. yeah basically, when I, when you know, I, even though I was conservative for a long time, I wanted to go full time, and I dreamed of it. Finally, when I got to that spot where I could do it, I found that half the day I was twiddling my thumbs. Because, you know, yeah. with swing, uh, you know, you take, you know, however many positions and you're waiting, you know, whether it's my whole times, they can be anywhere from, you know, sometimes it's three, two or three days, but a lot mm-hmm. of times it's a couple of weeks or even a month or two okay. you know, if I'm playing a trend. 
So uh, in that time, it was like, what do I do? What do I do now? Uh, before I was always busy to the point of having heart problems, you know, and, and now I have nothing to do. <laughs> so that's when I said, okay, let, let me, let me pick up day trading. And, and I started working on that. So I, yeah, now just about every day I'm day trading as well yeah. in the morning. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Yep. I guess with you having health problems uh, previously, how important is health now? Um, maybe not overworking yourself, oh, et cetera. It's, it's huge. Yeah. So yeah. I, I work really hard at uh, trying to get enough sleep, which is always a challenge for me, especially being out here so early. Uh, but, you know, I try to get to bed by 10 or 11. I'm getting waking up at 430. So I at least try to get six or seven hours. Um, try to work out every day. You know, so yeah, I think that part of it is really important. I notice too when I when I fall off and I'm eating bad and uh, you know not exercising, I do feel a lot more sluggish. And yeah. I don't know if it actually transfers to results or not, but it just feel you just feel different. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, that's something I thought about too. But I, I just think the fact that I feel better is enough for me to uh, continue it, right? Like, because right. uh, I think if you don't feel good, then it's like, I, I might play a mental game with myself. It's like, oh, well, I don't feel good. Maybe I'm not as sharp or, you know, I, I don't know. Right, right. It'd be interesting myself. to see, actually go back and see, okay, during these periods did I trade any, I don't know if it actually reflects on that. Yeah. Uh, but, but generally just for yourself and your outlook and your emotional state, it's, it's better. Yeah. Especially, yeah. The, especially the sleep. For me, it's sleep. I, I need to sleep and I, I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I actually, like I heard, I, that wasn't really original thought. I heard that from, uh, what's his name? Hugh Jackman, the actor. Uh, and yeah. he, he said that like, if he, if he goes out like drinking before, he was talking about him doing like theater and that if uh, he was like drinking a night before or he didn't get enough sleep, it's like, it doesn't matter if he didn't feel good or it feels bad. It's always, that's always in his thought like that. He might not be a right. shark. It's just like right. a lingering thought and that's enough to right. throw him off course. And I thought that made a lot of sense. And then, you know, for, it definitely does. And then for, uh, you know, things you're doing like uh, i don't do poker seriously but uh poker is a nocturnal game i mean yeah. people are playing at nighttime yeah. so i had uh you know here i have to get up at 4 30 you know and, and even if i don't treat pre-market you know i have to be at the screen at 6 6 30 and preparing before that um i had a, an amazing home game on thursday nights and that thing would run from you know we'd start up around 8 p.m and it would go to like seven or eight in the morning so i would always tell myself like, i'm gonna go at eight I'm going to leave it at midnight and I'll get at least four or five hours sleep. And what would happen to me? The game would be amazing. I'd have yep. drinks or whatever. And I'm trade. I'm playing till five and I'm just heading home and I just start trading. Um, be interesting seeing what the results were on those, <laughs> on those Fridays. Yeah. I should go back and see what the results were on those Fridays. But uh, yeah, sleep is definitely important and, and rest is. and energy and all that. Yeah, that's funny. I already knew that story was going because because you're in a good poker game. Like that's the thing you can't leave. You can't leave. You're in a good poker you can't game. Leave, right. <laughs> and and Paul, I always would tell like you know whatever you know girl I was with at the time if I was going to play a live uh -huh. poker game, I'll tell them like, hey, uh -huh. oh hey, what time you're gonna be home? Uh, I can uh -huh. be home for anywhere from four hours to thirty six <laughs> hours. <laughs> right. Oh, right. What is that? <laughs> if I bust if I bust out, I'll be home in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Four to 36 hours, you know, yeah, it's not right, a black and white right, thing. Right. Um, what I usually do is with, with my wife is if I have a good night, I give her some of it. That you way, go. you know, she, that way it, it kind of, it helps with, with the late nights. Yeah. There you go. Good, good, good strategy. Good strategy. All right. I think that will conclude today's episode of Confessions right, of a Market yep. Maker. If 
you guys enjoyed the show, please ring review it for us. If you want to learn market auction theory, market profile, trade futures, trade equities, join JJ and I at microefutures.com. Paul, tell the people where they can find you and anything else you'd like them to know. Uh, yeah, bullsonwallstreet.com. So I run the swing trading service there. Um, and they have something for everybody. If you're a swing trader, if you're a day trader, whatever it is, uh, just head over there. Um, you know, we love working with you. We probably go overboard in, in terms of, we'll, you know, you call us up. There's a chat room. We're always on it. A uh, lot of interaction with us. Uh, that's me, Canal, and a bunch of other people there. So, yeah, bullsonwallstreet.com. All right, JJ, parting words? Oh, it was great to have you. Really, really appreciate your time with us and your insight. Uh, yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. This was great. It was fantastic. Absolutely. Paul, thank you. I really appreciate it. I love your uh, your mindset learning how, you know, how we were talking about things transfer over. Appreciate you. Fun. So for Paul Singh, I'm Paulie Walnuts. He's the gorilla of House Street. You stop, so. <laughs> <laughs>